Wait, so did we decide if we're doing what we're reading? What we're listening to? Jackson, what are, <laughs> what are you reading right now? Uh, I just finished Devil House by John Darnielle, singer of the Mountain Goats. And so what are you eating now? Nothing. I have plastic in my mouth. Mmm, that's tasty. That's a big old tasty meatball, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes I move my teeth in the wrong way. And you know, like whenever plastic rubs on plastic and it makes that really loud rubbing noise, imagine that on your teeth and like rattling in your skull. It's the worst. Sounds like a dream come true, honestly. You guys thought I had one lightsaber, but I have two. <laughs> Morning. Welcome to Don't Be the Artist, and I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jackson, and I have uh, two lightsabers. Adam's got a broken one. Yeah, it's broken. Double albums is broken. I'm sorry. I wasn't prepared. He could just burst into view. Oh, and I didn't even get to hear it. Damn you. Yeah, Zoom oh, killed that. Uh, can Uncle so Dave, Adam come out to here? play? Huh? Can Uncle Adam come out to play lightsaber? Yeah, I can play <laughs> lightsaber over Zoom. Done this Yay! before. Uh, Adam, to answer your question, I'm never getting a lightsaber. Why not? Because I don't want to take that from some other person that would want one. Okay. <laughs> Such limited supplies. They're they're running low on kyber crystals, so you know that's really the supply chain. Yeah, it's very it's really uh, thoughtful. You know, thought, thoughtful and uh, and courteous of you. Yeah. I know. Man. Yeah, but those uh, kyber crystal miners are still out there working. Man, someone's got to buy it. Okay, let's call them miners. I like to call it slave labor. All the Wookies <laughs> are being abused. <laughs> I think I'm thinking of the wrong uh, raw resource, but. Hey, I'm one with the force, and one is me, woe is me. And I I am the Jedi. Oh, my God. Hey, Dave, can you please tell us why, on our day off, we're all just relaxing. We're really excited that we didn't have to talk or think about one another. You said, hey, guys, urgent news. I got to get you on. uh, We got to get on Zoom right now. Can Can you please tell me why we're here? I have something to admit that I've never said on the show. You've never seen Star Wars? I've never seen Star Wars. and No, I actually have seen Star Wars. The thing I, the thing I want to admit on the show is that I'm from Canada. Whoa! What? I'm Canadian. This is, is crazy. This something I know. that we could have seen like in a good mystery novel? We could have seen it all along? I think it, it's either I do this now and let you know, or one day I'm just not here anymore in this country. <laughs> wait, <laughs> and, wait, wait and a minute. I just become a fiction of your imaginations. Mm. A fiction? That's, yeah, a, that's you know, a Canadian phrase, actually. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> so. that's what we say in Canada. <laughs> yeah. I can't even think of the word. What is it? A pigment. A no. figment. Figment? <laughs> I almost got there. You know, you know, you know those things they have for Christmas, like the figs. You know, that's what it is. Pig Newton. Which uh, figs yeah. are not vegetarian. <laughs> Did you guys know that? Dave, we're over your thing. Okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> they got Thanks a little for fun playing, fact. But that's it. 
Figs are also not fiction. This is also uh, a, 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 a no, something. Figs I, are real. Figs are real, dude. That's not what I, I said. I said vegetarian. I heard. I heard the thing Dave said earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. hey Dave, how long have you known? <laughs> <laughs> A long, long time. Will it like get better? Will you get American soon? I'm working on it. Okay, good. That's great but to I, hear. I have I have never been a good Canadian in that like I don't say a, I don't say sorry. Uh, okay. I used to when I was a kid. Do you like honey or maple syrup? Sorry, not maple <laughs> or not honey. Maple syrup. I said I'm Canadian, not a bear. <laughs> It's pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> yeah, uh, do all, I like maple syrup? Canadian, right? Yes, uh, I like I like maple syrup, but not a, I'm not as crazy about it as you might think. I don't like hockey. Oh well, that's yeah. not the. Despite what most people think, that's not the national sport, right? Uh, maybe curling is. I think it's badminton, actually. Badminton. Yeah, let me look this up. Canadian badminton. National sport. Uh, it's ice hockey. It's ice hockey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that the national bird is the goose. Ooh. Um, and wait, I think wait. The national animal is the beaver. Yeah, what? Okay. What about Rush? Cool. How do you feel about Rush? Um, I think that they were all extremely talented musicians. Uh, but. And and I'm. <laughs> I'm glad they were a band for a long time. You don't have, have to be so polite. I think Getty Lee's voice is annoying. His bass technique is overrated. The fact that he plays multiple instruments, who gives a fuck? I feel bad for Alex Lifeson because he's overlooked. And Neil Peart was a really good drummer, but seemed like kind of an asshole. Okay. Um, <laughs> is that okay? What is that... about... <laughs> I, I, I got one. I got one. I got one. What do you think about yeah. uh, 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 Dave Coulier and Alanis Morissette? Um... I don't think about them. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I, do, okay. I did see that video recently of, of Dave Coulier like, talking about that song and hearing that album. And he was like, I was driving down the road in L.A. And I was like, oh, this, this girl is mad at, uh, at this guy. And then it was like, that was Alanis Morissette. And he was like, oh, fuck. Is she talking about me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, here, here's some softballs. I got two for you. Okay. What? How do you feel about Alexis on Fire? I love Alexis on Fire. If you are a you know person in the hardcore scene, I feel like that is your Canadian rush. As an American born and bred, I would say that that's what I think of when I think of Canadian hardcore. Is that a safe thing to say? Um, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. It, especially and in terms of the mainstream. Yeah. And last one I have for you, what do you think about Trailer Park Boys? Um, actually, I'm from Nova Scotia, so I should, in, I should technically sound like the, the people from that show. But you don't. I don't. You don't. In uh, oh. the ninth grade, I started working with my English teacher to help to get rid of my <laughs> atrocious Nova Scotian <laughs> accent. Oh, man. Can we get some, like, old... Can we go into the archives, the Dave archives? Uh, no, just, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even think I have it anymore. I think... I, no, no. I think, I think, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, we might hear some of it. We might hear yeah, some I'll, of it. Yeah, I'll just... You know what? I will get... Um, 
I'll get nice and and steeped, re-steeped in the culture of the the dialect that yeah. is the Nova Scotia dialect. And when I come back, we'll do an episode right away. But before it wears off. Yeah, I won't. I won't speak to anyone on the plane. <laughs> Not my wife. <laughs> so can you? It, it, I feel like I'm, we're just scatter shooting here, uh, whatever the Canadian national gun or lack thereof is. Um, <laughs> what Canadian could you tell us about? What uniquely Canadian? What uniquely Canadian thing could I tell you guys about? Um, I think, you know, uh, you mentioned Alexis on Fire, which also brings in discussion Dallas Green. We've talked about Rush. Um there's, you know, Feist, Broken Social Scene. Let me see who else. Just, like, basically every Canadian band that was out after, like, the 90s was influenced by one band called The Tragically Hip. The weird thing about The Tragically Hip is that nobody knows who they are. Like, you guys would all consider yourselves big fans of music and stuff like that. And it's no fault of yours. They didn't really ever try to get out of the Canadian music scene. Yeah, I, I I know I definitely haven't heard of them, and I went ahead and did my due diligence. I did not research them at all beforehand <laughs> to see how well you do on this. But, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head the Canadian population, but is is that a like a, a thing you can do as an entertainment person, whether you're an actor or whatever, just stay in Canada and like live off that? Absolutely, and they they definitely have proven that. They they did get some success in the United States, like they did SNL, and I don't know when, but they did it early on in their career. Um, I think they just ended up not necessarily caring about getting out of the that scene. They were okay with just being known in Canada, but it's definitely a big enough country that you can sustain yourself off of a career contained within that one place i think they're all retired very nicely very comfortably one thing they did do was when they started the band so just to give a little background about the band they started it in 1984 and the the lead singer and the rhythm guitar player there's five people in the band i think the lead singer and the rhythm guitar player were like good friends they wanted to start a band the the drummer and the bass player they were like playing in bands already so they all kind of got together and then uh the guitar player the lead guitar player and the bass player they met each other when they were like two so it was all their like first real high school band that they got introduced to and spent more than a couple of months playing in together to the point that, like, when they were doing their, like, first tour, and there's a documentary that came out in 2017, the drummer says that he's like, I literally finished my last exam in high school, left the building of the school, and got in the van, and we went on tour across the country. Wow. <laughs> and so they they were a band up until 2017, but they did that, like, the, most of their adult and in just entire lives, because they were in their you know, early late teens, early twenties when the band started. So am I correct in saying that in Canada, you guys don't say first grade, second grade, 
you guys say grade one, grade two? Yeah, the word grade comes before the number. <laughs> so what do you guys call each other? Like, so, I mean, we would say like, oh, I'm a, I'm a ninth grader. I'm a 10th grader. Do you say I'm a grade firster? <laughs> no, that's a good question. The, you just say that, you know, that person's a, a 12th grader. They're a 12th grader? Yes, they're in grade 12. Okay. Okay. And, Sorry, but yeah. but we, we don't do like the junior and the sophomore and the senior and <laughs> freshman well, and all that stuff. What about your, uh, when you're in university? Are you we grade do, one? <laughs> good question again. <laughs> uh, no, we just like, we do, we did freshman. I don't think we did anything. I was like freshman and senior or whatever. Well, and I know these people who are quite literally below me in the Zoom call are laughing at me, <laughs> but I'm just trying to be more, you know, culturally rounded. So. Did you did you truly think, really, really, that it was grade firster? There's like, there's no way that you that you <laughs> thought that and were asking that question when you could have just thought the uh, you could form the sentence of, oh, what grade is he in? Oh, he's in he's in grade one. I also don't know what direction. Their toilets flush if it's clockwise or counterclockwise. They drive backwards in Canada. Also, they yeah, they, yeah. they the, exclusively in reverse. The toilets flush south. Yeah, they. I do Straight know to that you guys do. <laughs> Is that how Dave got here? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's like how they travel in uh, in Harry Potter or whatever, right? My best friend thinks I'm a floating piece of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just mentioned that they were uh, getting out of grade 12, uh, so I, I just had to ask. I, I promise I didn't, uh, before this, uh, plan that out. No, that's fine. Um, and now that, now that I think more about it, it's really, we just say, like, in college, if it's your, um, you know, your first year, you say they're a first year, they're a second year, they're a third year, they're a fourth year. Ah, so the odometer just rolls back. I mean that's that's mm-hmm. cool though. That's built in protection against being a super senior. Exactly. It's okay to say Great. you're a sixth year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. But that doesn't happen that often. Or I'm sure it does, but I just didn't see it a lot. Is it because college is free? <laughs> no, college is not free. <laughs> <laughs> Student loan is still fucking me in the ass. Just healthcare. Just healthcare. <laughs> just healthcare. There, there you go. Which my mom told me the other day, like, if, I, if anything happens while I'm there, I'm still covered. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I'm going to break my arm on purpose. Yeah. What do you think if you broke your arm here in Texas and you kind of weighed the odds and you're like, I could make it to wherever the closest flight, the shortest flight to Canada. Do you think you'd do it to get the free, like, bill? At the, I mean, in my early 20s, I would have done that. But now I would... We think customs would say. Uh, they're, not like, they're not like raise your right hand. <laughs> I could what, go through customs like this. Customs like, what brings you here? Oh, I broke my arm. Yeah. <laughs> if, it was, if it was Canadian customs, they'd be like, oh, go on through. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they always seem very nice. Honestly, living this this like far south, I would just go to Mexico. But what about the tragically hip? What would they do? Well, they they don't leave Canada. 
that we <laughs> okay so anyway the the thing about the the tragically hip that makes them like you could like people in canada say that they're like canada's band they're and everyone's super proud to have them as a canadian band but what made them so good was that their music sounds extremely approachable it's just like really straight ahead blues rock in the 80s and the early years of the band it literally just sounded like rock and roll like blues rock but the thing that made them stand stand out was that their lead singer his name is gord downey he's literally like a poet a full-on poet and he's an extremely captivating front man more like freddie mercury level captivation and uh the his subject matter is never praising canada he writes lyrics about like canadian things but like canadian tragedies or he talks to all the people that they go to in small towns and he gets stories of people's families and the struggles and he's like a known activist throughout his entire career they frequently were donating their show money to like whatever town they were playing in if it was a struggling town or if they were ever asked to do anything for charity events, like the lead singer was like, we're doing that and we're doing it. We don't care if anyone publicizes anything. He just wanted to give back to Canada and help it out. So um, I actually saw the Tragically Hip when I was a kid and I didn't know anything about them. Like I knew about the band because you can't be a Canadian and not know about the Tragically Hip. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I was there to see the Rolling Stones and it was Maroon 5, the Tragically Hip, Oh, sorry, it was Maroon 5, Finger 11, The Tragically Hip, and then The Rolling Stones. And I was like, I can't wait to see Finger 11. <laughs> Paralyzer, dude? Paralyzer? Paralyzer's a pre- fucking banger. But it was pre-Paralyzer. Oh, what the fuck? Who cares? <laughs> Man, but like, I, you've told this uh, so many times, and I've always, you've mentioned that Maroon 5 played, and then Rolling Stones but I never knew that there were bands in between. Holy shit. I'm you're, pretty, you're yeah, I'm filling out the lore. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I've heard a lot about the Tragically Hip, and we weren't, like, super close to the front. And the lead singer comes out, and, like, the band is out, and they're playing. And I just remember being blown away by this person on stage that was singing because he was, like, running around the stage, like, not running so much as just walking very uh, confidently, and he was in between songs or they would extend the intro to a song and he would just go on this crazy rant about like North Korea and how like uh, he'd be making jokes that, you know, the government here wants us to go fight North Korea. So and he would start pointing at people in the audience and going like, you, you're coming with me. We're going to go fight. And then he would start making gun gun noises and bomb noises. And then he would at the end of it go like, is this the kind of Canada that we want that we want? I don't think so. And then they would like kick the song off and you'd just be like, what the fuck? Is this one of those bands that like, um, when ever, you know, they were really prominent, um, that you and maybe a lot of people felt like they got a lot of, you know, political information from, because personally arcade fire was that for me. And I assume people like Neil Young and Crosby, Sills and Nash were similar to that of that era. No, I don't, I don't necessarily think so, because like I said, it wasn't while live, he might scream about the Canadian government on record on the records and stuff. It was never that directly pointed in a political manner. 
it was really like if you just listened to their songs and you weren't interested in what the lyrics were, you'd never know that he was talking about Canada unless you were from those places that uh, that he was writing about. He has a, there's one of their more popular songs is called Bob Cajun, and I didn't know that that was a place in Canada. Me neither. So anyway, uh, over right. I mean, how would you? Over the course of their career, they were they were a band for 33 years. They released 13 albums, uh, roughly an album every two years. I think the last four albums, they released one every three years. Then nine of those albums reached number one in Canada. And this is this is enough. You guys know what the Juno Awards are? Yeah, I've, I've heard okay. about it. I think I it's, heard about that on Q Radio. Yeah, Q Radio is awesome. So it's the same as like the Brit Awards or the Grammys. But they've won 17 Juno Awards. And a wow. lot of them were like entertainers of the year, specifically for the lead singer, Gord Downey. I have to say, Gord is an incredibly Canadian name. And I, I pulled up, oh, yeah. I pulled up the, the Wikipedia and I was like, Gord is an incredibly Canadian name. And then I was like, oh, the bass player's first name is also Gord? I think I'm There's right two about Gords. this. <laughs> There's two Gords in the band. Yeah. Uh, and Gord Downey's favorite hockey player, Gordy Howe. I might Wait. be off base here, but uh, you mentioned that you were just kind of blown away by them at that uh, mm-hmm. performance and that you had never really listened to them beforehand. Was that like one of the first times you've had that happen where like you went to a live show and saw a band you had never seen and were just like, whoa, these people are phenomenal? No, because at that point I had already been involved in the local scene in my area and was in playing in bands and like touring bands would come from all over and you know, bands that I would play in would open. Like I opened, I was in a band that opened for Alexis on fire and like, there's a bunch of Canadian hardcore bands that came through. So there were like, most of the time we were surprised by what we saw, but even still like to this day, that was the most captivating live performance I've ever seen. In spite of the fact that even Rolling Stones were on after them. And I was like, okay, I mean, this is a spectacle. The stage is much bigger. There's a huge, you know, the big mouth was up there and, it was a spectacle to see Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, but I was still more affected by Gord Downey and his performance. It's really crazy. Anyway, so one of the other things, the last thing I'll say about the band themselves is they decided immediately that they're going to split everything five ways, no matter what happens. And so like at the end of the band in 2017, they were, they were just like, yeah, I mean, we're all equally own the publishing and the like every all the all the stuff we own all of it wow i think that's the right way to do that i you know you hear about these like deals where you know the songwriter i think oasis is like this um where uh noel gallagher has like i think it's like 60 or 70 percent of oasis and the rest is probably with liam and all the people who played in that band throughout like the years have fuck all and like that just sounds so slimy to me yeah so the next thing i want to talk about specifically is in 2015 um they had just finished recording what would be their last record man machine poem and they were just doing their regular cycle thing they strangely enough would release albums most of their albums are released in june so i think they were just on like a two-year schedule and they just that was their career so this time they have the album recorded they were thinking about like getting ready to do a tour. Uh, Gord Downey's father had become ill, so they he said that he spent, like, 
six months helping his brother. He has two older brothers or two brothers. I don't know if they're older or younger. And his family, they were just getting his father set up and ready and comfortable. And then his father passes away. And I think he said literally the next day he was at lunch with his family. And he, they walk outside to leave the restaurant. And he just collapses. And they take him to the hospital. And he, they find out he has a terminal brain tumor. How old is he at this time? Do you know? He was 51 years old. So that's way too young. Way too young. And... Uh, in the documentary, it kind of starts with him. I wrote a quote. He goes, uh, "He goes. I don't know what we were planning. A tour. Um, the record was made. I guess we probably wondered what we would do next. And then, uh, and he goes, huh, you know, brain cancer. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's so difficult to watch those like documentaries and stuff like that. And like the person who is affected to the most other than arguably the family, the person who's actually going to suffer the hardest consequence, just like being humorous about it. That is so hard. I know. And you know, he was, he's always a very, like, as you can tell, a charismatic person had a way with words. So what it was, was he had a uh, primary brain tumor, which means it was like contained with, it started there. It didn't spread from anywhere else, which makes it, relatively incurable well definitely incurable and the doctors that worked on him that it cuts to the doctor and he was like the tragically hip are my favorite band and i got a phone call to do brain surgery on the lead singer and he goes anyway so he basically had two choices one was we would do a surgery that would leave him unable to speak or make new memories but he would have more time with his family or they could limit things, like limit that stuff so that he can still speak and make new memories, but he'll have less time on Earth. It'll be of a higher quality. He decided to go with option two, and he, they were like, you're going to have about three or four years left. And he was like, okay. So what they did, which I don't, I don't know much, but this might be more to y'all, they removed his entire temporal lobe and his hippocampus. And... uh that would allow him to have three or four more years of survival without any further neurological decline until the end. Uh, that means nothing to me on like the amount that you just said, but entire anything for the brain sounds intense. Yeah. And um, so that he then goes through like six weeks of chemo and radiation after the surgery and the he calls the guitar player in the band and is like, hey, can you come like keep me company through this? And he, got, he shows up. The guitar player is like, he could barely form sentences, and we just blasted music. And then in the documentary, Gord Downey goes, uh, he blasted the Bee Gees. I guess I'm not supposed to say that I really like them, but they're my favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, it doesn't really matter now if anyone knows that. <laughs> not many poets like the Bee Gees. Oh, I know. So anyway, uh, about like halfway through his surgery, they, he goes to the guitar player like, hey, what were we doing before this happened? And he goes, oh, we, we recorded a record. And then Gordowney goes, okay, so we, we did, were we planning a tour? And he says, yeah. He goes, okay, let's move on with that tour. And he was like, you are not going to be able to tour. And 
there's it cuts to the drummer going, if there's one thing you don't do is tell Gord Downey he can't do something. <laughs> and so they start booking a tour, essentially a farewell tour, so that they can say goodbye in Canada to all the fans. They he gets, you know, he goes through takes his rehab extremely seriously. He gets well enough that they can at least schedule a rehearsal. And they go into the rehearsal and he's ready to go and he's fired up. And then uh, they just get there and he goes, oh, shit, I can't remember a single thing. I can't remember a name of a song. I can't remember a single lyric at all. And then the bass player, Gord 2, goes, hey, let's start with this one. And as soon as he starts playing the bass line, that shows this in the documentary, his brother's filming it, Gord Downey stands up and starts like pacing back and forth, like kind of getting into it. And they have a teleprompter up in front of him. They're all facing like as if they're on stage. And he has a teleprompter up, and he's looking at the words. And then he's walking around. He looks at the words one more. And then he looks at the band like, "Are you guys ready?" And then he's he it just he nails the song. And if you don't even if you don't know anything about the Tragically Hip or that music, watching someone bounce back like that is like, oh my god. So then. They get the okay, like the doctors are like, you can schedule the tour. There's a chance it'll go well, but there's equally a chance that you'll be on stage totally fine. Then you'll have a seizure and that'll be it. And he was still like, I, yes, let's do this. I want to go say goodbye to Canada. So over the course of a couple of months or whatever, they decide to get 90 songs ready because they have an extensive discography. And for that entire time that they were getting ready to plan those shows, Gord Downey's entire life was spent remembering the lyrics and studying them and, and rehearsing and working out and eating healthy and just like day in and day out, 90 songs. And even the guys in the band were like, that was really hard for us to do. We couldn't really like remember a lot of those songs because we just don't play them. So they play 15 shows in a little over 30 days they did a show had a day off did a show had a day off he had six teleprompters on stage at various points so he could look at any of the words he needed to look at he said that he literally had to look at every word before he was able to sing it but the melodies and things like that were perfect and he was just as captivating and i think there was a sense from him that he knew this was it so he put on even more of like an intense show. It's wild. It was in 2016. I thought it was 2017. Whatever. Their last show was on August 20th, of 2016. They, and they're from, they played it in their hometown of Kingston, Ontario. Uh, the CBC decided to broadcast it. And every Canadian television station basically shut down to play, to air this live concert. And 400 venues across the country that weren't holding the concert, obviously, uh, had you didn't have to buy any tickets. You could just be in the audience for free and watch it with a crowd full of people that also liked the Tragically Hip. And um, it ended up that 11 million people watched it on TV. Wow. 11 million. That's like, I don't know the population of Canada either, Jackson, but that's like most of the people. Yeah, I was going like to say that's all probably at least a third of the population, right? So the 2020 census or, you know, whatever it is, if they have a census, uh, <laughs> in 2020, it was uh, 38 million. 
So yeah, yeah that's so, like a fuck ton of people. A, a fuck ton of people. And uh, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, was in attendance at the, um, at the last concert. And I watched this on TV. I was actually in Canada and watched it on TV at a restaurant. And Gord Downey in the documentary is like, I realized that he's like, I'm terrified of being on stage. Even to this day, he goes, it scares the shit out of me. And every night, it never gets easier. But he goes, this last show, I felt no nerves. I couldn't feel any nervousness, even knowing that like we were on national television. And he says, I realized that I have this massive audience, and I don't know what I'm going to say, but I need to say something. So around this time, he also started working with... Uh, people in the First Nations of Canada, like the, yeah, the First Nations, the people that were there first. And he had stumbled upon this story and started making an album. But the, one of the biggest problems in Canada as a country is that the most populated part of Canada is like the bottom 20% of the entire country. And then there's a huge amount of forest and stuff like that. And then there's like, that's where the Aboriginal people live. They're completely cut off from like the main part of Canada. And he, Gord Downey, decides that his last project is going to be to make awareness of this. So this is what he says to the prime minister and to the, everybody watching. He says, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you to the prime minister for coming to our show. He cares about the people way up north that, were tr that we were trained our entire lives to ignore. We were trained our entire lives to hear not a word of what's going on up there. And what's going on up there ain't good. And we're going to get it fixed. And we got the guy to do it. That's awesome. And, and especially with like now fast forwarding to 2022 and hopefully onward, uh, it, I mean, it's all over the news now that everybody's talking mm -hmm. about the indigenous people of Canada and how specifically the Catholic church has such a hand in that and how much the Catholic church and the Pope are like doing jack shit about it. Just saying, whoops, our bad. Uh, so that's awesome to hear. Yeah. What he did was he was one of his brothers had given him a story about this kid named Chani Wenjack that was uh, he was in one of those. Um, oh, re yeah, the residential schools. He was in a residential school and broke out and just tried to walk 400 miles home in the winter. And he was never found. And so the family of of his his family was trying to figure out a way to like make it known. And so he, Gord Downey was told about this story and wrote uh, a, no a novel and an, an album full of songs called uh, The Secret Path. And like decided to get in contact with the family to ask for their blessing. And they did. And then when he released it, uh, he also just made a big deal out of it. They started a foundation um to donate to like donate money a portion of all of the hips stuff goes to this foundation i think all of the money made from that record that book and anything related to that goes to the family and then uh basically gordiani was like we need to educate so part of the money that we raise is going to go towards giving giving school teachers the right resources to educate the children on what's going on in the deep north like the northern northern canada 
uh, we need to fund in case anyone wants to act in their communities to help out. So anyone that has an idea on how to bridge the gap between those the aboriginals and the non-aboriginal people in Canada, we're going to give them money to do it. And we need money to just help build the infrastructure infrastructure of those families. And one of the things he's like, those people still have to boil water to drink water. So let's put money towards that so that they don't have to do that anymore. And he put all that pressure on, I think he said that their goal is to raise a hundred million dollars. I don't know how close they are, but they're already making waves because, um, yeah, we've seen the news about the residential schools where they started uncovering unmarked graves and stuff like that, giving families closure. And one of the things he said was, it's going to take uh, like 150 years or seven generations in order for us to really make any change. And he said this right around the time of 150 years, like Canada, Canada Day, when they were celebrating like 150 years of Canada. And he was like, it's going to take another 150 years. But until we do that, we are not truly a united country. And that's the only way that we can get reconciliation is to fix what's going on. And then we can call ourselves a united country. So backing up a little bit to that last performance in that documentary, documentary or any type of uh, interviews afterwards, did do the band members kind of talk about what they were feeling at that time? Because, yeah, I mean, we all think about that kind of thing of like, do you want to know when you go or do you like want to it to be quick and you don't have to worry about saying bye to people in this situation? They know. So, like, I can't imagine what that's like to be playing your last show with I probably your best friend. I mean, they were talking about how, like, <coughs> playing in their hometown, they were just, like, really busy with family and everybody, like, the bass players, like, you know, it kind of helped because we got to figure out how to get grandma to the stage and, <laughs> and, you know, this aunt can't sit next to this aunt and... Lots of like family inner workings that keep you busy. So playing that as the last show was a little made it a little easier. And they were saying how happy everybody was because Gord Downey was getting stronger as the tour was going on. You know, he was bouncing back more and getting more energy from the audience and stuff. Uh, the drummer was like, I just buckled down and played and tried not to think too much about it. The one of the guitar, the the lead guitar player was like. I was pissed that we were even doing it and I didn't think it was a good idea, but I'm glad we did it. And so he was like, I just shoved all my emotions away. And, uh, later at a, like, I think a year later he was on record in an interview saying like, that was not a good thing to do. And it didn't come out in a healthy way. And then the bass player was like, he also was like, I was ready at any point. If, if Gord Downey looked at me and said, I can't do this, then I would put my bass down and walk off stage with him. So they were all, you know, they had all of the feelings you might imagine you would have. But they filmed, they streamed the entire concert, and you can get, like, you can get on DVD and watch it. You, there are moments throughout the concert where you can tell that they forget that anything bad is happening, and they're just watching a regular show. Or there are moments when they, like, Gord will go over and interact with them, because he's super silly on stage, and they'll start smiling, but it's that sad smile of, like, Maybe I won't see this again. Um, I can't. I, yeah. I, I'm not strong enough to watch that. I don't think. I, like, even though I'm not aware of the band, uh, their music. Like, I just like I know me watching that. Like that, the sympathy that would be coming out of me, or empathy, I guess. I would. I immediately would start bawling. 
That's stupid. But, but it was, I mean, what would get you is when they cut to the audience at any point during any of those concerts, there are people singing their favorite lyric for the last time and they know it and they're like bawling their eyes out or like at the very end of the, the last show, they like the band walks off stage and Gord Downey just stays there and he's like holding his arms out and like walking around in a circle, like trying to sh- wave bye to everybody. And he's like, he for the last decade has made a point that whenever he's on stage, he makes eye contact with people the entire time and changes who it is. And if he, he said, like, if I ever struggle to sing a line, I just look at someone and when they sing it back to me, it helps me get my vocals there. And like, so he took probably like 10 or 20 minutes just to stand there. And the entire crowd was just chanting, Gord, 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 Gord. And it's like, whenever I lose a lyric on stage, I also look at a Canadian to get the lyric back. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. think that I think that there's uh, it, it seems like impossible to be in any situation in any part of that situation if you're in the band if you're in if you're in the audience it seems so heartbreaking but at the same time I, like there's a, there's an aspect of this that is the most beautiful ending to a musician or a band ever because how many times has there been a tragic I mean any anytime there's a loss it's a tragedy but you know, when it's tragic and you're not ready for it and it's out of nowhere and someone's lost and the band and the music is just done, it's it, it it's just heartbreaking. There's nothing you can do. And in this scenario, there's still nothing you can do, but at least every single person got some form of closure. Even if even if at the end one like you know, you said a lead guitar player was like, This was a mistake, we shouldn't have done that. But, you know, he still got the opportunity to have, you know, like to feel those feelings. So. Yeah, and he just was saying how much he cares about his friend. He didn't want yeah. to Yeah, put they him in clearly danger. went out the way that you know, especially the way the singer wanted, but like they clearly went out on their own terms and it didn't end like, you know, Hagen saying of like, Oh, the record was done and I guess we have to put that out, but you know, that's it. Like they did it on their own terms and yeah, I think that's the important thing. I mean yeah, there's a part in the documentary towards the end where the lead guitar player tells a story about getting a letter from this guy in Philadelphia who was a longtime fan of the band and watched the final concert. And he said, you know, rock and roll or just being in a band in general is like going up into the jet stream in a hot air balloon. Like you're lucky if you even get off the ground, you're lucky if you get in the jet stream and nine times out of 10, you're not going to land safely. It's not going to happen. And so he was like, the way that you guys ended this band was essentially you landing safely. You got to say goodbye to everybody. You got to play 15 farewell shows across Canada. And yeah, and Gord Downey was doing a bunch of things to take everyone's mind off of it. Like he, at being a fan of the Bee Gees, wore like these really um, over the top, like peacocky leather suits with like ridiculous top hats. And he had scarves that were just two dress socks pinned together that looked really silly and like. Uh, he was like, he does this thing during guitar solos that I think is really funny sometimes where he pretends to have a boxing match with the microphone and it's, it's so campy, but it's fucking hilarious. And you know, he had moments of like extreme emotion on stage where you watch it and you go, that's really sad. So you get a good laugh, you get a good cry. And he, yeah, it was just such grace that he handled those shows. It was, it's really, I think you should watch it if you get a chance. Yeah, I'm going to have to be comfortable in my emotional state to watch it, but yes. <laughs> I'll do it for you, Dave. I know you've watched you. plenty of music documentaries that I've sent you. 
I'll do the same for you. But yeah, so before he passed away, the last couple of things I'll say about it, the uh, Assembly of First Nations, they like gave him an award. They honored him uh, for all the work he's done to bring awareness to the tragedies of the residential schools. Um, he, he was honored with a... They gave him like a name as if he were an Aboriginal person, and it was like tr- loosely translated to "man who walks among the stars." And yeah, he just the last couple of months of his life, he got to just be with his family. And they released a statement saying, uh, "Last night, Gord quietly passed away with his beloved children. He had four children and family close by. Uh, he knew this day was coming." And his response was to spend this precious time, as he always had, making music, making memories, expressing deep gratitude to his family and friends for a life well lived, and often sealing it with a kiss on the lips. He, like, towards the end of his life, before his cancer diagnosis, he said that he just started, like, before the band goes on stage, he'll give them a hug and then give them a kiss on the lips and go, like, God, thank you so much. Thank you for being in a band with me. I love you so much. And so towards the end of his life, it just, like, was all gratitude and love. Um, but yeah, they just, you know, released a statement saying that. And then, uh, yeah, it was funny in the documentary. I'm getting totally sidetracked, but his favorite hockey player I mentioned earlier gave him a call because somebody told him, Hey, Gord Downey is like a huge fan of yours. Uh, and he's not doing so good. Could you give him a call? And he's like, I had never met Gordy Howe. I'd never met him. This is the first time I spoke to him on the phone. And then at the end of the conversation, I went, anyway, I love you. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, he was like, oh my God, I said I love you to Gordy Howe. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I didn't expect him to say it back. You know, maybe like you too, Gord, or, uh, you know, um, thank you or anything like that. And he goes, but he said, I love you too, Gord. And he goes, wait, I, I don't really remember if that's what he said. And he goes, okay, so it's not important. That's what he said. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. <laughs> he said, I love you too, Gord. <laughs> So, hey, Dave, uh, I don't know if you are familiar enough with all 13 of their albums, but me, a person who has not listened to them, can you recommend an album or a song? Um, so their their sound is, like I said, it changed over the years in that they grew up and adapted and they spent less time caring about sounding like what was out at the time and more time just developing their own sound. Personally, my favorite record is the last one they released, Man Machine Poem. If you want to get a good scope of what they were like and what they kind of are like, listen to their greatest hits album. It's called Your Favorites. Um, it's good. It's just a bunch of like bar music, it sounds like. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would recommend the Man Machine Poem album. I, I'm seeing here at the top of my streaming service, uh, Wheat Kings is their most popular song is that accurate or no no i would say like uh new orleans is sinking or ahead by a century that's the second one is ahead by a century grace two is also really popular all right but really watch any footage you can of them live they were at woodstock 99 good things (laughs) ensued (laughs) they were in the daytime they had a good set yeah maybe one day we'll talk about woodstock 99 but not today not today yeah that's you know it's funny because they were never like my favorite canadian band at all uh i would have said like alexis on fire there's this great band called monine or hey rosetta but after 
when Gord Downey passed away and I watched that documentary and then I really kind of like hit me how important they were to Canada and stuff like that. I was like, well, maybe I should give them a deeper dive and start listening more to them. And it's like, it's pretty incredible stuff. I really enjoy it. I think that's okay. I think there's a lot of people who got uh, like into people like Bowie after he passed away. And I know that there's certain types of people who would be like, oh, how come you were never into him before? And But, you know, you get into it in the way you do, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in the documentary, it shows like how, just how far and wide their, their influence was in Canada and like their fans, because they were, they had people on location filming in all these different lo- like places across Canada on the last day of the last concert. And, uh, <clears throat> there were like kids shouting lyrics and like, r- like retirees saying like they're, they're Canada's band, like, all different walks of people in Canada. You just know the tragically hip. Also, obviously the, the different, you know, walks of life and the, you know, social uh, aspect. I mean, if you have Justin Trudeau there, who it's like probably arguably the most, you know, well-known Canadian right now uh, abroad. Um, yeah. You're obviously a big deal. If you have the, the prime minister there and like, the prime minister isn't being heckled like it's just like okay you're here yeah yeah it shows him walking to kingston ontario like where they did the concert and he's just walking through the crowd and waving to people and shaking hands and taking pictures and like he walks in and the band's like what's up justin and he's like <laughs> sitting in the audience while they're playing their show but like on the day that gord downey died uh he did a press release and like tried to try to say like hey just letting you know as a like that Gord Downey has passed away and he starts talking about him and he breaks down crying and he's like, I thought I could make it through this, but I can't. Wow. (laughs) And he wasn't like the, he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't truly like a patriotic, you know, Canada is the best country on the planet. He was like, there are a lot of problems in this country and we can fix it, but let's, you know, we have the potential to be a great country. Well, I think a a lot of the um, people that you would, so it sounds like he is kind of part of that like Canadian folklore, whereas like what I associate as like American folklore musically now are people like Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen, and those are the ones that come to mind right now. But like I think that they do talk about in my example of like you know America's cool, but they also talk about like man, is this like the American dream of just getting a mortgage and that kind of shit? and just being blue collar and stuff like that. So I think that's definitely what people want more than this kind of like weird I- idealized Sweet version home of it. Alabama. Like yeah, people don't want that. Yeah. Dave, I, that was great. I don't want to speak for the rest of the guys, but I really appreciate the bravery it took to tell us your deep, dark, dirty secret that you are Canadian. Yeah, we could have uh, never guessed. I, I he 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 I, I don't know how to tell you guys. He told me already. I already knew. Yeah. I'm getting my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He he told he told me years ago when we were in his driveway at his old house until stay, sit, sitting listening to music until four or five a.m. And I think we listened to Hey Rosetta. And he goes, Hagen, I'm Canadian. <laughs> and then he hugged you and kissed you on the lips. <laughs> Traditional Dude, Canadian funny. greeting. I was I was waiting to get picked up uh, that night of that concert, and I was sitting in the living room. I was like, Dad, can you put on the Tragically Hip concert? 
and he was like wanting to watch a baseball game that was on a different channel. And he puts it on, and it shows in the concert footage this, before they go out on stage, and it's Gord Downey kissing the band and crew on the lips. And he goes, I don't want to watch a bunch of dudes kiss, kiss each other on the lips. And I was like, Dad. <laughs> Dad, it's 2016. Fuck. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about what we're listening to? Or we wrapping up? We can talk about what we're listening to. I'm down. All right, Hagen, you first. Me first. Um, so this album actually came out a couple of weeks ago, but I have been really digging it. Um, uh, Domi and JD Beck's album, not tight, um, which is, uh, off of, um, a few different li- uh, labels and distribution people, but they're all, they also were signed to Anderson Pack's label. Um, and it's really good. Like I, th- they're put under the jazz category and there's a lot of stuff on the album that sounds pretty jazzy, but also like Mac DeMarco, Herbie Hancock, obviously jazz, but also like uh, Busta Rhymes, uh, uh, Snoop Dogg, Anderson Pack are all over the album, and then the the second to last song is Kurt Rosenwinkel, which is definitely jazz. But one hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> but it's such a cool album. It's like it's a nice mix. If if people don't know who JD Beck and Domi Domi are, you should check them out on Instagram. They are um, these young kids who I think like lean into this like kind of really cool like chill lo-fi hip-hop thing but they also are really talented musicians they get the jazz thing um and so this album is full of a mixture of chill lo-fi hip-hop and jazz it's wonderful i've been listening to the tragically hip <laughs> and, and a and couldn't uh, have seen that coming a band called monine that are also no longer a band but i think hagan and jackson would like them uh, and a band called hey rosetta you but hagan already knows hey rosetta <laughs> Full Canada, baby. Uh, I've been listening to a uh, musician named Martin Denny. There's uh, an album called Exotic Moog, which caught my interest on just a random thing that title suggested. So I'm in the modern streaming age getting uh, recommendations based on what I listen to. And it's cool. Ooh. I like it. It's wow. like some tiki-influenced lounge music, which I don't know how it got to that, but it, it's cool. Wow. Adam's on title. Look at him yeah. just showing off. Jesus, how do you afford that, man? I don't know. I have a generous benefactor. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I have been listening to, it finally has come out, um, Dome Dwellers. They released their uh, new record. It's called It's Just Us. It's nine tracks, and if you've ever been in the Denton music scene, or really DFW, uh, you've heard a lot of these songs, and that's not a bad thing. It's great for me as somebody who is now not living in Denton and occasionally yearns for the early days of Denton when I was living there. It's great to hear some of these songs that I associate with like certain types of shows and stuff. But then just outside of that, I mean, it's just like, it's really, it's a great album. It's got a lot of really cool guitar work in there that, you know, it's very unique, I would say, but then also the bass work, uh, it's understated but you can hear it and um i'm super i'm super proud of them for releasing it we had them on last year to talk about it and uh i'm just really glad it's out it's got a really great album cover and i'm hoping that they'll go out and tour it and if any of our listeners are uh you know out there you should definitely uh check it out i think that's all i got very nice anybody have anything else before i take us out nope Dave, you're not going to be here next week, are you? No. Okay. Well, shit. I don't know. 
what we're gonna do without you. But you enjoy Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, excellent. Well, uh, thank you, Dave, for taking us down an excellent, excellent road uh, and, and telling the story of the tragically hip. I think all of us are gonna go listen to them, and I hope all of our listeners uh, follow suit and go go listen to something new if you haven't already checked them out. Probably haven't because you're, pro- you're probably not from Canada. I'm assuming, though. I don't. I shouldn't assume. I suppose. Um, and we will miss you for the next year out next two weeks, right? Next two weeks. No, I could record the week after. Oh, okay, cool. Good. I'm glad we figured that out no, here. Very good. Yeah. Good thing to figure <laughs> out at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Well, we'll we'll miss you next week. Um, but we'll we'll see you then the week after that. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't already, please follow or subscribe on whatever podcast app you are using. Um, if you are on social media, you can follow us on, on Instagram at DFDA Podcast, Facebook, Don't Feed the Artists. Um, and if you listen to the Tragically Hip and you like it, give us an email. Shoot us a sh- shoot us a, a send. Fuck. Uh, uh, thanks, Dave, for the suggestion at Don'tFeedTheArtist.com. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Fuck off. Get me a moose. Maple syrup.